so glad you've taken time out of your day to join us here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's all about you and that wallet of yours. I want you to learn ideas from me so you can keep more of what you make. And speaking of which, coming up later, it is an absolute Clark rage that almost no one takes advantage of a special IRS tax program that allows you to file your taxes for free. I'm going to fill you in on that. And coming up later, there's something strange you're probably seeing right now when you go to websites and apps. I'm going to tell you what you need to know, new rights you may have that you may be sitting on. Clark.com is our main website, and what I want to talk about is something that we have put up a briefing for, and I referred to it just a couple of days ago. And it is the reality that this year we're seeing heavier discounting than in prior years. There are certain unusual factors that affected this Christmas shopping season that have led to a heavier wave of discounts here and January. And then there are things that just by their very nature are historically deals in January. And so I've got a briefing for you at Clark.com, but I want to just take a moment to hit you with some of the highlights of categories that historically are a deal and then talk about the ones that are more unusually discounted this year. Number one, and this is true every January, is fitness equipment is most heavily discounted in January more than any other time of the year. And the reason is that New Year's resolution time, people are stricken with the case of the guilts or seeing three unhappy digits on a scale. And so it is like made to order for special deals on fitness equipment. I'm seeing them both online and in physical stores. But I like to buy fitness equipment used. And I know this may sound weird, but many times the best deals on fitness equipment any time of year are on Craigslist or on Facebook neighborhood groups. Because a lot of times people will have bought nice exercise equipment many times new, with the intention of really working out, and then the only workout that equipment gets is as a place to drape clothing or something. So people then hit a point where they give up, and they say, come and get it. And the equipment sold nearly new but used goes for a tiny, tiny fraction of what it is new, even when it's on sale like it is right now so heavily. Um, TVs are all the talk this week because of CES going on, the Consumer Electronics Show. And this is the first time since, gosh, I don't even remember what year. Maybe it was 2009 was the, 2010, I guess, was the first time I was at CES, something like that. I didn't go this year for the first time in all these consecutive years, although I plan to return next year to CES. But 
as every other year, there's all the fuss about 8K televisions and OLED TVs and blah, 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 blah. So for most of us, that's aspirational stuff that will become part of our lives years down the road. We just want a deal. And the TVs that did not sell through the Christmas shopping season are a real deal right now. And this is kind of a dead period before the new models are introduced into retail environments. So there are a lot of deals both online and in physical stores on televisions. And normal for this time of year, betting. Anything to do with housewares and betting is a tremendous deal in January, true this year. But there are a couple of things this year that are more heavily discounted than normal. One is toys. This was not the greatest year for sale of toys. And this is the first year that retailers bulked up so much trying to fill the market void of the disappearance of Toys R Us. So there's a lot of unsold inventory in the toy aisle. And if you have a a kid of an age that they go to a lot of birthday parties, this would be a good time for you to speculatively buy for a number of birthday party gifts for kids whose birthday parties your kid or kids are going to be going to. The other thing is clothing. Any winter clothing is more heavily discounted this year than in prior years. And the travel sales that we normally have in January, cruises, airlines, all that is going on this year like normal. Uh, The airline sales are a little less generous this January than in prior years because of the grounding of the max. It has had the effect of constraining capacity. Gosh, that was a stupid expression to use. That is such a pointy-headed economist kind of expression. There aren't as many seats out there as there would have been if the max wasn't grounded. How's that? So as a result, airlines are not being as aggressive with the sales in January as prior years, but even with that, it's still a better deal in most cases to buy travel now for travel into the spring or even in the very beginning of the summer travel season at the January fair sales rather than waiting. And again, I've got an in-depth briefing for you of what's a deal right now on Clark.com. Laura's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Laura. Hello. How's it going, Laura? Very good. How are you? Great. How can I serve you? So um, my daughter and son-in-law are trying to figure out what to do with money that they were given for college. So we were wondering if it's good to diversify or do the college prepaid, do your dean's list 529s. So how old are you? the kids we're talking about? Uh, two months. Oh, wow. And these kids are definitely college material. They're both their parents have masters. All right. So you've heard me go through that protocol about how you decide on the college plans. So doing it at two months, it was just a story I shared in November or December about the enormous advantage of starting a child's 529 plan 
in the first year of life rather than waiting as most parents do till the first year of school or later. And the additional years you have for the money to grow has a much bigger impact on how much money is available for college. Now, you raised an interesting wrinkle, mm-hmm. and you asked about something that is fairly rare in the country, and that's prepaid college plans versus uh, just a 529 plan where you put money in and it grows kind of like a 401k, and then you have it to use for college, any college. So the, Right, the, in our state. The that's pre- what we did with our kids. You did which? We did like a, the state prepaid um, when they were little, and now you know they're they're in their late twenties. So it worked out well for us. So if you feel pretty confident that the kids will end up growing up in your state, will stay in that state, and will be totally brainwashed that the only school for them is a state school that they can use the prepaid credits then the prepaid program gives you certainty. You know you've bought so many semesters of tuition and you know they have the value on the units and you can buy so many. And so if you fit those three criteria, then doing this prepaid plan is best. On the other hand, if it's more a feeling that the kids can go where they want to when they grow up, it could be out of state, could be in state, could be private, could be uh, you know a state school in another state. Then you're better off doing one of the dean's list plans on my 529 plan guide. Right. So that that's how do you know? <laughs> you just have to. It's one of those things you just have to use your best knowledge or best instincts. Where you know both our families are in the same state. You know, I think they plan on being here, but that doesn't mean your child will stay. So, but you um, know, if if parents have pretty much influenced, you know, we have provided for your college under these conditions, and this money is available for you to go to state, you whatever. Then, I mean, families do that. Obviously, that's why the prepaid plans exist. So, if that's a comfort zone then I think you do the prepaid. If it's so not, the, then do a traditional 529. So if you, if, if you do have that certainty that they will stay in state, you're saying you probably get more bang for the buck? You, you get more certainty for the buck. Certainty. Because okay. you know how much, how much it's going to cost. You know how much of it you've already paid, essentially. You know, okay. where you could have taken a whole year out or two years or what over the years to come. And then you could even, in some families, end up in the position where all four years were already essentially pre-funded. Okay. And so that's the, that's the hard decision-making process to go through. And a family where people tend to stay in one area, grow up in that area, live in that area, then it's pretty easy to make that choice of doing a state prepaid plan. Debbie's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Debbie. Hi, Clark. How are you? Great. Thank you, Debbie. How can I be of service to you? I have listened to your show for some time now, and I have a Visa card that was compromised over the holidays, 
And I know you say to get a second credit card. Now I understand why. So my question is, I don't really travel. So I've looked online at the different offers that the companies have. And I was interested more in a cash back card. Can you give me any recommendations? Sure. The easiest, simplest is to do the city double cash card, or if you have accounts at Fidelity Investments, do the Fidelity Investments cash back card. Both uh, pay you essentially two cents on every dollar of your activity on the card, which is fantastic. There's no categories you have to worry about, anything like that. Neither has an annual fee. And so it's the best, simplest, straight-up deal out there. Okay, so it was City, and if I have a Fidelity account? Yeah, so if you have anything, do you do any investing uh, or have any retirement accounts or anything at Fidelity Investments? I do. All right, so Fidelity would be an automatic go-to for you, and they have a variety of options for their 2% cashback card. And if you just sign into your account at Fidelity, you'll be able to search for the Fidelity Visa card and it'll talk you through the particulars and then you can pick which kind you want. So you can have one of three, as I recall. You can have one that um, just rebates the 2% of everything you purchase into a Fidelity investment account or into a Fidelity Roth IRA or if you have any 529 accounts for anybody into a 529 account. So Okay, and you said there's no annual fee? No on... annual fee, nothing. It's just, and no gotchas. It's just the straight 2%. I love it. And when, when do I see that 2%? At the end of every month? I'm trying to remember with Fidelity, with um, City Double Cash, you get it every month. You get 1% back on your charges, 1% back on your payments. Okay. So it's it, they're both really simple streamlined things but when you sign into your fidelity account they'll explain the particulars about how they fund one of the three choices you have for fidelity okay and, and i love these because most people don't benefit from airline miles they think they do but they don't the value they get isn't worth it and most of those you have to pay annual fees and with these cards, you just simply get cash to use as you wish. Today's Clark Rageous moment is a stunner to me. There's a new report out from the IRS that only three out of every 100 people eligible for the free file tax preparation and filing program are using it. Now, this is just loco. So, under IRS rules, basically anybody who makes 70000 a year or less, which is like 100 million families, can do free tax prep and free tax filing. And many of the organizations that participate also, if you have a state income tax, do the state tax prep and filing free. But nobody's doing it because apparently nobody knows this is out there. I need you to know that if you make somewhere around the $70,000 figure 
After the adjustments, you'll certainly qualify for the free tax prep and free filing. It's really easy to do, and I will have my briefing for it up uh, just before tax season opens, which is January 27th, and you'll be able to click on the link I've got, go straight to the free file, or if you forget all that, just know when you decide you want to do your taxes, if you go to irs.gov, right on that front page will be a link you click for a free file. And there's no reason for you to get sucked in by any of those TV commercials for paying a company to do your taxes when that same company, almost certainly, will do them for free if you click through the IRS link. Who's afraid of California? Apparently a lot of people are. It's my pleasure to welcome you here to the Clark Howard Show, where it's all about you. I want you to gain information, to learn ideas, to empower you with knowledge so you can save more and spend less, and don't let anyone ever rip you off. Clark.com is our main website, and then we have ClarkDeals.com, where we come up with ways to save you money each and every day. So, who's afraid of California? A lot of websites and a lot of apps. Because the new California law that gives privacy protections to Californians is in place. So, only for California, right? Well, actually not. For many websites and apps, they have gone to a 50-state setup where they more or less comply with California law because they don't want to find themselves in a position where they would not provide privacy protections to someone who they thought was not in California, who turns out to be in California, and they get sued. So Microsoft kicked this off, and I told you about it last year, that Microsoft, under the California privacy law, was going to provide protections to people in all 50. And now, here we are in January, and that's how it's playing with a lot of websites. So there's something that you're probably seeing, if you're paying attention, I'm certainly seeing it everywhere I go on apps, everywhere I go on websites where there's a new privacy link and it looks pretty innocuous which is what the website snaps want you to think but it comes with some very useful features and one of the things you're allowed to do is to tell companies if you're a Californian it's required otherwise it's just because websites and apps are allowing you to do this you're allowed to click in and then set your settings so that they will not sell off your personal private information. Right now, it's just the way it works that most websites and apps sell off your personal information in many ways all day long. And so what California did was design a system where you have the ability to opt out of your personal information being sold. Some have made it hard, some have not. Now, I love the way there's one that I read 
it was worded in a Los Angeles Times piece about how websites are handling this. One says, you may exercise your right to opt out of the sale of personal information by using this toggle switch. It's just a little thing you click on off. If you opt out, we will not be able to offer you personalized ads. <laughs> They're making it sound like these personalized ads are a benefit, right? And will not hand over your personal information to any third parties. So actually, that's what you want. And the fact that we don't have this as a national law and national standard is absolutely ridiculous and an abject failure of both political parties in Washington to remember who they're there to represent, and that is the American people. So California has essentially set a standard that is affecting people more or less in the other 49 states. But if you are creeped out by all the micro-targeting of you and all the selling and reselling of your personal information, know that those new privacy things that are showing up, something you want to pay attention to, you want to click on and set the most restrictive standard you're allowed to protect your privacy as much as possible. Again, this is just unbelievable that this is only something that has happened in California. And does anybody among those 538 members of the U.S. House and Senate, do any of them actually care about you and me? It sure seems like they don't. Mark is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Mark. Hey, Clark. How are you doing? Great. Thank you, Mark. Uh, you want to dig into something Congress actually did do. Yeah, I had a question. I read a, a quick news article about something called the SECURE Act that changes the minimum required distribution age from 70 and a half to 72 sometime soon. Yeah, so what has happened from as far back as I can remember is in order to keep people who don't need their retirement money from hoarding it, which is a good problem to have, right? You got more yep. retirement money than you really need to spend. In order to generate tax revenue, Congress passed a thing where you have to start taking withdrawals based on your expected lifespan in IRS tables each year starting when you turn 70 and a half. And if you don't take the required minimum distribution, you get hit with a 50% tax. And so it's as punitive a tax as I know exists in the tax code. So the thing that changed was because people are living longer, the RMD requirement was moved to age 72 from 70 and a half. So I noticed there's a couple other provisions in this law that some are good and some maybe not so good are are you at Clark.com looking to put up some kind of briefing about the changes? You know, I we have not to this point other than at a basic level because finance sites have so specialized in this, you know, big investment sites. 
have dug in deep, deep, deep on RMDs. Now, one of the other provisions I guess you're referring to is the one where an inherited IRA can't be stretched out over the recipient's lifetime anymore. Well, actually, it looks like there's some provisions for small businesses that are good that encourage them to do like a opt-out programs for 401ks and uh, annuity within within a within a 401k. So the annuity provision um, ended up being watered down in a very dangerous way for people. The original proposal was, here's the problem. People may save over a lifetime in a 401k at work, but right. most of us are not equipped to figure out how to handle that money so we don't run out of years before we run out of money. And run out of money before we run out of years. I said that backwards, didn't I? And so the idea is to allow 401k plans to offer an annuity equivalent of a pension. Well, the original proposal would have only allowed ultra, ultra, ultra low-cost, commission-free annuities to be offered to people at retirement. They would be essentially annuitizing the money into a lifetime pension income. Well, the insurance industry got involved with all its lobbyists, and they eliminated those provisions, and now it's open season on workers in any plan that offers an annuity option in a 401k where the workers can be offered those hideous, awful, ultra-high commission, ultra-high cost annuities in a 401k, which takes things the wrong way, kind of like how teachers' retirements have been totally trashed by the sale of ultra-high-cost annuities. So I was not very happy about what looked at the beginning like it was going to be a great thing for workers and turned into something that could be absolutely torture for workers. Right. So, like I said, I'm a few years away from doing uh, having to do an RMD, so it looks like I got a little breathing room. Yeah, and the the RMD thing is, you know, all you have to do is either, if you have your money with one of the big financial houses, they will calculate for you, based on the IRS tables, what your distribution requirement is each year once you turn 72. If you aren't with one that offers that as a service, you have to get the IRS table at irs.gov in the year you turn 72 and each year after, and you have to figure out how much to withdraw and hope you don't mess up on that. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure there's some calculator that will do it for you. But it is best if your money is with one of the big financial houses to trust that their calculations are going to be correct. Right. Okay, well, I appreciate your uh, explaining it. Sure, and it is something that there are lots of layers to the SECURE Act that most of them are very good for people, and there are just a couple of exceptions where the dirty money that circulates in Washington took away some good features and made them potentially quite harmful to people. Carl is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Carl. Hey, Clark, what a pleasure to speak with you. Well, great to have you here, Carl, and you're going to take an exciting <laughs> trip, I gather. 
Yeah, my my wife and I are planning an extended road trip next summer. Um, we're just beginning to plan it out, and we're taking with us our nine year nine year old seventy pound golden retriever. So as I've started to plan for this trip and and got online looking thinking that I would have to find individual hotels, I found a number of websites and a few apps that appear to do that for you. Um, they seem pretty good, and some of them even had uh, you know, ability to book directly. And so the reason I contacted you was to see if you'd had any experience with any of these programs or organizations and any, any advice. No, this is, this has been a great development that Mm -hmm. has only enhanced over the last many years where you can go to, I think the first one of them was, uh, pets welcome and Uh then bring Fido came along. Yeah. Uh-huh. Expedia has done a good job for a general travel site having mm-hmm. a button you can click for pet-friendly hotels. But with any of them, I recommend that you contact the hotel directly Okay, you know, before you end up in any non-refundable booking and certainly after you've done any regular booking and right. just confirm what their policy is on pets. And because, to get a pet pet friendly room, yeah, right. And you want to make sure they don't charge like a big pet deposit. Some right. of them may, and some may have restrictions on how big a dog you can have. Mm-hmm. But as someone who travels constantly, I've seen the gradual change where a steadily increasing number of hotels do welcome travelers with pets. Oh, that's fantastic. So you just want to yeah. make sure, though, that you confirm again, right. uh, like the day you're driving to a place or whatever, uh, right. do you still have the same pet policy as when I booked? Because you wouldn't want to get somewhere at like 10 o'clock at night and they say, oh, we don't, we yeah, don't right, accept your right. guide here. No dogs here. What are you thinking? Yeah. I also noted that a lot of these sites, if you book through them, they, they take payment on your credit card immediately. Right, um, and so that's yeah. why if you yeah. if the booking, if they take payment, that alone is not a problem. It's if the payment right. is non-refundable. Right, right, correct. That's right, why right. you call the hotel direct yeah. just mm-hmm. to make sure that it really is what they say it is. Uh, that's good advice. <laughs> Thank you. And I hope you have a great trip. You're quite a planner already planning next summer. Oh yeah, I'm uh, I'm into the details and uh, you know try to plan out every day's drive, but um, it ought to be an adventure. So a lot of people uh, just can't stand traveling with me or my family because we are so haphazard and we plan okay. <laughs> nothing. We are like rolling chaos when we travel. <laughs> so, well, yeah, I'm a planner. So. Everybody's got to have their own style with that, right? This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget. 
giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Abraham's with us on the Clark Howard Show. And Abraham, you lent a relative money and it's not going quite like you hoped. Is that right? That's correct. What's the scoop? What happened? Well, uh, this is a younger brother um, that I have been helping for quite a while. And uh, after uh, helping him uh, paying about $15,000, uh, I had him sign to uh, pay me back uh, $4,600, and uh, he signed the paper, and uh, now it has been 10 years since uh, he uh, he's telling me that uh, he's not able to pay, or, you know, next time, next time, next time. So oh. I'm just wondering if it is worth taking him to court. Your own brother. You know, yes. the most difficult situations I ever deal with are within families when it comes to money and Uh your brother came to you to borrow money because he couldn't go to the bank to borrow money that's correct and so when uh, the way i've always looked at it with a friend or relative if you lend them money you have to think in your own mind that you have given a gift and if they ever pay you back you're the most surprised person around so the question for you is, I mean, this has soured you on your brother. It's probably uncomfortable for both of you being around each other. Um, I would I would send him a letter. Okay. And I'd write your brother a letter, Abraham, and I'd say to him, I'd say, this has really hurt me because mm-hmm. I lent you this money out of love, you know, in your own words, but mm-hmm. this is the gist, and... I feel like you took advantage of me as your brother. And mm-hmm. it's the only time I'm ever going to ask you about this again. Mm-hmm. But I'd like you to pay me back the money I lent you. Okay. And just leave it at that. Now, you can say this is the only time I'm going to ask about it. Um, and I'd like you to pay the money and leave it at that. And then if, if he blows you off or gives you excuses or doesn't pay then you certainly can sue him in small claims court. Does he live in the same area of the country as you live? No, he's in the west of the country, and I am on the east of the country. Okay, so just send the letter the way I said, and know that if your brother doesn't respect you enough to pay the money, you've learned Mm -hmm. something about your brother for the rest of your life. Because there's no easy way for you to compel him to pay you back the thousands he owes you. And mm-hmm. it's just one of those things, because I'm right, you did this just because you love your brother, right? True. And so he has responded to that love with uh, dishonesty and betrayal of that love. And it's up to him, after you write him, to do the right thing or not. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. 
Thanks for joining us today. The Clark Howard Show is produced by Kim Drobes, Joel Larsgaard, Deborah Reese, and Jim Ayers. And remember, 24 hours a day, we're there to serve you at Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com.